Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Post Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune. I'm joined as I always am by our Wild Varsity Preps writer, Brady Oltmans, who's on the phone in Casper. Brady, what, uh, what do you want to talk about today? Um, honestly, if I had my way, we could just talk about the United States women's national team um for 30 straight minutes but i don't think we're gonna get that so uh um so you better not ask me for my opinion on what to talk about (laughs) all right i'll uh i mean i'm not opposed to talking about that things are things are kind of slow but i don't yeah i don't know if we want to dive into that for 30 minutes i don't know if i'm about all that but um it's okay i I don't don't want to i don't want to i don't want to censor you no, that's fine. Anybody who's curious about that, I'm probably, um, I'm probably going to write a column or something this summer um, about it. Um, I've, I mean, I, I hate columns and I, I despise the idea of columns. I don't want my name or I don't want to be construed as part of the story or part of the driving narrative. I just want the stories to tell themselves, and I want just everybody like with gamers everybody who was there everybody who saw it kind of knows what happened i don't need i just have my name attached to it because that's kind of the, the you know the job of the business and somebody needs to be held responsible for those words but i don't want like my opinion to matter because i'm a, a storyteller and a reporter not um not a, a columnist wait wait, but, wait 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 that that's a that's a topic in itself we can talk about why are you why are you not a fan of of columns i i hate i hate the idea of my opinion um mattering enough to people um that it needs to take up inches um i much prefer to tell somebody's story i much prefer to like write a a good feature story or acknowledge something special being done or a really cool story being had rather than just kind of sharing my opinion um about anything that just kind of in the random that doesn't really matter having said that um, I think I'm probably going to have a column um, this summer about um, basically just supporting women's athletics because of the whole softball thing happening here in Wyoming and, uh, you know, basically a lot of schools now having to conduct investigations and seeing like they're kind of in violation of Title IX because they don't offer as many opportunities to female uh, students as they do to male students. And then like yeah that's a that's a big problem and it is worth addressing but also like on the college level women's sports aren't really looked at equally obviously there's no equivalent to women's sports in colleges there's with college football um the the you know the big screw up with the women's um March Madness NCAA tournament reveal if that had been done on the men's side we would still be laughing about it and people would be fired all over the place but it happened on the women's side so it was just kind of a a minor kerfuffle for a couple of days, um, despite the fact that there's really good women's sports happening there. And then you look at women's professional sports, and the WNBA is gaining traction now, maybe after like 25 years of existence, and there's no other like tangible women's sporting league. Like you've got University of Wyoming um, center back Taylor Burton, who was the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year last year. She's not drafted in the NWSL draft which is like 30 picks long. So she's not going to go play professional soccer simply because there's really no opportunity inside of America uh, apart from that eight-team league. And her best option is to go play in um, – is go play in like Germany or Spain. And, and obviously the, the participation and the level is so high over there that there's really nothing. So basically, yeah, it's kind of like how, um, we need to support women's athletics. And the best time to do that is with the U S women's national team, which does get support, but it's also like, you can, you can support things other than that is basically kind of my point. Um, it bothers yeah, well, me. Well, that's, that's why I kind of feel the opposite about, columns and opinions that you do i mean that's a because that's that's a chance for you to offer some analysis particularly in wyoming that not a whole lot of other people are are given it's different it's something yeah yeah but this is this is also like one of those hot button issues that i think uh, that really kind of gets me stirred up and the the fact that you have to advocate for equality in the equality state is a little absurd to me (laughs) Yeah, well, another reason that 
opinion, which can be turned into a column, is is important. So I'm, 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 I'm trying to I'm trying to debunk your your theory here, or your belief that uh, columns or analysis uh, are a bad thing. Well, a, a part of it might be because I'm a high school sports reporter, and really, like my opinion on high school sports in Wyoming, just I have none. Um, I go out there and I I, I cover yeah. things, I report on things, so really, like I have no pressing opinion of any high school sports matter at all um if you want my opinion on softball yeah um obviously offer more um opportunity if you want to play it in the spring good luck we've had track meets and soccer matches even just at the state meet last weekend be rain and snowed on um so if you're gonna try to play softball best of luck to you but also like it needs to happen so you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Um, that's that's the hottest take I have. Is <laughs> is it sucks, but you've got to do it. Basically, it, you've given opportunity, give girls a chance, and it's probably not going to be great. But neither is standing out in the middle of rain and snow at a track meet watching somebody try to run three hundred hurdles while yeah battling flurries and everything against their face yeah that that was ridiculous by the way because uh, i was we mentioned last week that was i came up there uh to casper to help cover the the track and field championships and yeah it was what may was it six sixteenth set no may yeah, six yeah like may 16th through the 18th yeah yeah and it, yeah, May sixteenth or seventeenth, whatever it was, the, it was the last day, and it was a. I mean, it started out as rain, and then by probably noon or one o'clock, it was full on snow. Like that, just that. I know that's not like necessarily a a uh, unusual thing in Wyoming, but you know, being from the south and experiencing that, my first spring here, like I was, that threw me for a loop, man. I was like, this isn't supposed to be happening but it's fine it's fine yeah but i will say i will say like temperatures back in mississippi and alabama right now are like 90 degrees and i want you i want no part of that so i'll i'll take the uh i guess i'll deal with some of the the snow uh in mid-may as opposed to uh 90 degrees with 90 percent humidity right now I'll take that trade off. Yeah, that might be fine, but I know I was going a little crazy not having seen the sun for three straight days, even just this last week when it would just keep raining here in Casper. Yeah. Yeah, definitely strange. But, uh, yeah, I guess since we're kind of talking about that, it's kind of a sign that things have slowed down a little bit, so we're just kind of, kind of, I don't know, jump around on this podcast. But uh, there's a couple things pertaining uh to Wyoming uh they have filled out their football uh staff um remember Jay Neiman left for Iowa after being on the job in Wyoming as their linebackers coach for less than three months uh but they hired uh Willie Matt Garza um who's been at the division two level uh for the past few years and the guy that I know this is going to be shocking to everybody, but uh, coached with Craig Bowl at North Dakota State. So this is this makes for the <sighs> sixth assistant that they have now on staff that previously coached with uh, Craig at NDSU. But uh, one big difference is that um, Willie has some NCAA baggage. Uh, you know, he's about a decade removed from um, being hit with a three-year show cause penalty um, stemming from recruiting violations when he was at Tennessee. Um, but, you know, again, he, I, I don't, he didn't coach for, I think, three years or so, uh, or three or four. I mean, obviously he, he didn't coach during the, during the show cause penalty because that, that basically blackballed you from coaching. And for anybody that doesn't know, basically what that means, it, it's a penalty from the NCAA uh, basically, the, the the most uh, strict penalty that the NCAA doles out for um, you know, recruiting violations 
um, in the sense that if if another program wants to hire that coach d- during that show cause period, they have to go in front of the com- uh, committee on infractions and um, basically, you know, quote unquote, show cause as to why they need to uh, or why they should be allowed to hire that coach, uh, but. I mean that doesn't happen most most of the time. I mean, you know, schools don't want any any part of, of coaches that, that uh, are growing through that uh, period. So, um, but I mean, it's it's uh, been a decade removed from it. I mean, that happened in two thousand nine. I think he was he was hit with the penalties in in two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. Um, so, um, you know, it's. I mean, obviously, they felt comfortable enough to to hire him. Um, you know, when they put out a press release announcing the hire earlier this week, you know, Craig and, and uh, athletic director Tom Berman both made a point to address it um, and talked about how they had um, kind of worked with the NCAA and asked some other schools that had that hired people just that had had show cause penalties. You know, kind of how they went about it and went through compliance and all that stuff. So. Um, you know, it, it is interesting to, to, to see them kind of go that route from that sense, uh, just w- with the, the penalty that he had been assessed. Um, but again, you know, with, with familiarity, uh, from when he worked with Craig, not, not a huge surprise, but he is the only coach that's had any, that's on Wyoming staff that's had any sort of, um, NCAA issues. So, um, j- just an in- interesting hire, I guess, from that sense. Yeah, um, that, that's kind of one of the things that I am more curious about, um, because I know it's kind of it's become par for the course basically across college football that coaches, especially assistant coaches, don't really stay somewhere for too long unless you solidify yourself as kind of a Dabo Sweeney or a, you know Nick Saban if you're at a premier program and you're making big dollars. But then even if you're talking about assistant coaches, the big narrative of, of after the last national championship game was Clemson won because they don't have assistant coaching turnover like Alabama does. Um, So you're seeing that become more and more fluctuating as those big name assistant coaches get head coaching jobs. This is a little different because you get filling out different staffs and so much turnover and instability. You have guys who you're going to have – four different coordinators at a certain position or four different position coaches before like in between games, basically, but like before your season begins and after the last season ends. Um, So that's, I don't know, man, it's just the uncertainty of it now. Uh, That's just the way things are. We have to look at um, who fits where, obviously the, the familiarity that Craig bull has with, with the guys that he's bringing in helps. Um, that's that's kind of the common denominator that I go back to is does you know what's how familiar is Craig with him what is that person's background to make them think that this can work and if it says North Dakota State then I'm gonna sound off on it because they did pretty darn well together at North Dakota State um, in case you didn't know that's still one of the premier F cs programs um in the country and and i i know because i hear it all the time that fbs is different than fcs but hey man winning is winning and if you can build a program a premier program in fargo north dakota then you can at least build a conference championship contender steadily in laramie wyoming with enough hard work and with enough you know moving parts that you're familiar enough with that you're comfortable enough with so it's it's weird, and obviously we won't really know if it's going to work until the season starts, but, I mean, it's just kind of the way things go. So if you're a Wyoming fan, you just kind of got to be optimistic about it and wait until the fall. Yeah, and should point out that uh, Willie is going to coach safeties uh, at Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, Jake Dicker, the new defense coordinator that was promoted, he previously coached safeties and was still coaching safeties while uh, Jay was on staff, but uh, Jake will now coach linebackers. So which left a, a vacancy to, to coach safeties. So that's, that's what Willie will do. Um, and I mean, we've, you know, t- 
talked about it at length all spring. Obviously, also interesting because Wyoming kind of restarting there uh, when you lose Andrew Winger and Marcus Epps. Um, you know, got some got some guys that are that are experienced in terms of age and just being around the program, but um, you know, guys that that haven't played a whole lot of snaps back there. So uh, that'll be interesting. And then uh, with basketball. Uh, Jermaine Kimbrough, who had been on Allen Edwards' staff the last three years and his assistant, he was hired uh, at Loyola, Chicago, and has been replaced with a familiar face in Matt Wise. Um, Wyoming fans may remember that he was their uh, assistant director of player development uh, before he left to be an assistant at Arkansas Little Rock last season, and now he's coming back. Um, as a, as an assistant to round out Allen's staff, so um, you know it, again, and and we have stories on Willie and and Matt's hires, Trib dot com, uh, dot com, so you guys can go check that out more in detail there. But um, you know, talking to Matt, um, you know, kind of the same thing as as Craig. I mean, Allen wanted to move pretty quick on this and get somebody that he was sort of familiar with and didn't, didn't want to, according to what Matt said, didn't, he didn't really want to go through a long drawn out hiring process where he was, you know, taking, you know, weeks and months to, you know, interview a bunch of different candidates. He had a, some guys, a short list of, of guys he was kind of familiar with and, and knew about working with him previously. And, um, you know, Matt obviously was the guy that, that Alan went after and, Said it was a no-brainer to come back here, even with uh, the program. I guess in some some turmoil, somewhat. I guess um, I guess you could say with you know with the eight-win season and um, you know some of the pressure that's 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 on Allen his program going into the next season. You know, Tom Berman's been pretty adamant that you know and vocal that they they have to have pretty significant improvement next year and, and turn this thing around after. Um, having you know their worst season in almost half a century, so. Uh, but that's, a, you know, he's a guy that was around when, you know, some, some really good times at Wyoming before he left uh, a year ago for Little Rock. Uh, you know, he was he originally started when when uh, Larry Shiat was the coach, and uh, you know they won the Mountain West tournament back in 2015, went to the NCAA tournament. Um, then won the CBI tournament uh, in, in Allen's first year couple, uh, back in 2017. So, uh, guys, been around, helped them develop some some pretty good players, and um, now they'll kind of see what he can can do as a full time assistant. Yeah, I'm I'm curious, man. What's the? I mean, obviously, you're not as from you haven't been in the bunker with this guy. You haven't you know hung out with him or at least been in proximity with him for a whole season, but. I'm curious what's sort of the the vibe that you get not only from him but sort of in in the team or in in the department of how kind of I don't even want to say circle the wagons but last year was such a dreadful year for them that it kind of seems yeah. like it's going to take somebody to get the paddles ready and give this team a jolt so does do does every party involved think that this is um, the sort of jolt that this program needs right now? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I really can't answer that. I don't. I don't know if oh, come anybody on. thinks that. But uh, what was that? Oh man, I'm just, I'm just, you're, 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 you're snowballing me right now. I, I ask hard hitting <laughs> questions, and you say that you can't answer. This is what happens, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know if everybody in the program is on board with this or thinks this is like the jolt of energy they need. But uh, so I'm going to answer based on what I know, just talking to him. But uh, the first impression I got of him was he's he's very positive. Like I said, I mean, because I, I asked him if if there was any hesitation on his part to come back to Wyoming, just kind of knowing the, the state of the program and some of the uncertainty. Um, moving forward, you know, if they don't turn this thing around and, you know, he was like, yeah, absolutely not. You know, I, you know, it was a no brainer for me to come back just working with Alan. And, but one of the things that, that kind of caught my attention um, that, that he mentioned was the fact that he, he made a point last year to, to watch uh, as many Wyoming games as he could when Little Rock wasn't playing. 
so he, he, I mean, he kind of, you know, he, he never really lost interest, you know, in the program or, or didn't, didn't follow him once he left. And, you know, he, he was mentioning that, uh, he doesn't think that they're, that they're that far away from, from, you know, getting this thing turned around because, um, he was mentioning the fact that they just didn't have that many numbers last year. That, that was the biggest thing yeah. in his opinion Yeah. that, you know, once they had all the injuries and suspensions and all that attrition, you know, you, you end the season with, with an eight man rotation with four of those guys being freshmen. Um, you know, they just didn't have a whole lot of those numbers. And obviously we, we know that that, that changed, um, you know, not only the talent level, but, uh, just you know the the stop the way they could play and you know grinding the offense to a halt um something that uh was a complete 180 from the way they played under Allen the first two years and um so you know that that was sort of his, his big picture takeaway from from it heading into the next season is um the fact that uh, you know if things just stay healthy that that should solve you know, some, if not m- most of their problems, uh, you know, you get, you're getting Hunter Maldonado back. Jake Kendricks came back at the end of last year after missing, you know, 10, 12 games with a knee injury. Um, you know, obviously you're losing Justin James and, you know, which, I mean, that's, how do you go about replacing the, all of that production? You know, that's something that they're going to have to figure out, but, um, you know, if they can just stay healthy and give themselves some depth, you know, where they where they can play the style they want to play and play, you know, rotate guys in and out and not not have, you know, guys, um, particularly maybe even some guys that aren't ready, you know, playing twenty twenty five minutes a night. Um, you know, that's I guess that's that's kind of the starting point to, you know, turning this thing around and and trying to get this thing back on the right track is just having enough able bodies, and that was. That was the biggest thing that, that he talked about. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's yeah, that was uh that was huge last year. Um it's it becomes a problem of unforeseen and unprecedented circumstance when you're having to pull guys from walk ons from the football program to come and play on your team. Uh so yeah, you can't really I don't know, can't really blame them there, I guess. It's just um I don't know, man. Yeah. It's yeah, but like as far as like being a jolt of energy, I, I mean the guy's been he was like I said a player development uh, guy for five years at Wyoming and before leaving for Little Rock, which, which was his first job as an assistant. So I mean, the, doesn't have a ton of experience on the bench in terms of just coaching, you know. So that's something that I don't know. They're just. Obviously, Allen was was comfortable and, and, and was confident enough what he's seen in his coaching ability uh, to bring him back and make him an, an assistant. But I mean, that, that's something that where, where time will just tell. I mean, you have to wait it out and you're gonna see what happens. Yeah, and that's I know it's not something Wyoming fans like to hear, but it's just you got to wait and see. But in the meantime, you've got an entire fun summer of hiking and adventure, and then a fall of football to look forward to. So. I guess things things could be worse. Yeah. And, I mean, it, look, let's be honest. Like, if he can come in here and help them recruit, uh, you know, a better caliber of athlete and then develop, even develop them, which is kind of his specialty, that's his background, you know, once they get in the program, um, I think that's really, you know, what you want to see uh, from him if you're Allen. So, um, you know, I'll see what, what happens there. But, Brady, we can go ahead and take a break. Uh, and then we, when we get back, we'll we'll just dive into uh, to coaches uh, around the country and some comments that they've made and uh, some of the hypocrisy goes along with it.
back into the postcast. And Brady, now I want to talk about uh, some comments I've seen recently from some college coaches, um, specifically uh, Minnesota football coach P.J. Fleck and Notre Dame basketball coach Mike Bray. Because uh, I really have, I have a lot of opinions on the on this. Um, so let's just I'm, I'm gonna start. Um, with PJ Fleck, because um, apparently he was on a coaching caravan recently, talking to Minnesota fans, um, and th- th- I guess this came on the heels of them losing three uh, players that were previously committed to them, and so he's talking to fans, and, and this is from the Minneapolis Star Tribune newspaper, which I, I'm assuming was there. Um, following him and covering him at these at these speaking deals and so this is and this pertains to to, to recruiting and and the transfer portal and um you know just I guess the overall climate of uh, players in college athletics nowadays but um, so he, he's he's talking about recruiting here and again this is from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And PJ Flex says, uh, quote, I have a rule. You commit to me, you can't go see another place. Not because I'm insecure, but if you want to be committed, you're going to be committed. Too many people teach young people to be committed, but also one foot in and one foot out. You've got to be all in, end quote. Okay. I, I could start a lot of different places here. Um but the very first thought I have is he sits there and says, not because I'm insecure. Well, that comes off about as insecure as you can be as a coach. If you're going to sit there and tell a, a, a recruit, once you commit to me, you can't go see another place. Um, and, and I put, I, I mentioned this on Twitter uh, yesterday when I, when I saw this. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm safe to assume that PJ Fleck has never has never recruited a kid that's previously committed somewhere else or that he's never flipped a recruit. And I guess I'm safe to assume that uh, you know he wouldn't bolt for another job if one came along that paid him millions more. Except from the fact that he did that. Now for any of you that are listening that aren't familiar with PJ Fleck, uh, he was one of the hottest non-Power Five coaches in college football a couple of years back when he was winning big at Western Michigan. So, so since he wants to bring up the the uh, theme of commitment, um, this is the same coach who signed a six-year contract extension with Western Michigan. And then bolted after two years to go to Minnesota and be their coach, um, which which is fine. Which I, I don't look. You're you're making a move, a, a a step up in your career. You're making the next move in your career, going from Western Michigan to a Power Five job. That, that's fine, man. You're getting more money. All the more power to you. But don't come back and talk about how teenagers need to be committed to you once once they verbally commit. Again, this isn't them signing. This isn't them putting their uh, signature on a piece of paper. Don't talk about how, you know, you uh, you want them to be committed to you and they can't, they can't even go visit other schools. Like, get the hell out of here with all that, man. Like, that's, that's, that's utterly absurd. And just as a society in general... <laughs> like people have decisions to make every day uh, that includes adults. Like we have decisions to make every day and they're not the easiest. And we go back and forth on them and we may change our minds. Like that's how things happen. But yet you have adults making millions of dollars who are expecting 15, 16, 17 year old kids to make a decision and stick to it. I mean, and, and for a lot of kids, the, this is the, first major decision that they have to make in their life, you know, where they're going to go to school, where they're going to spend the next three or four years of their life. 
And you've got coaches coming out and saying, you know, not only are you supposed to stay committed to me and follow and, and honor your word, but you can't even go visit other schools. That I, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't even have. I don't even have words for that kind of hypocrisy. That you can't. I mean, you can't go around. But I'm. I'm going to go ahead and I can. Yeah. I can. I don't have to be committed to this school that I just signed a contract extension with. I'm just going to go ahead and leave. Like, okay. Yeah, it's it, and what are what are PJ Flex thoughts on extending the recruiting cycle? Or on lifting limitations of text messages and phone calls and hours yeah. that you can text a recruit. Um, you know, if you want to say you got to be committed to me, well, yeah, but how many times has has PJ gone and hollered at some kid who may or may not be verbally committed or just did a visit somewhere else? And I don't know. It's a lot of it is the kind of the, the grown entitled man hi- hypocrisy that you deal with, with college football head coaches, um, which is a whole other thing entirely. But it, it, it also just, I don't know, man, it reminds me of just like this kind of scorn um, X, the someone who doesn't want to be slighted. Someone who's like, I'm your end all be all. I'm your, I'm your ticket out of here. I'm your ticket to greatness. I'm the reason that you're going to be eligible to play college football. Like these kids belong, like these kids don't belong to you, which again is an entirely different issue separate, which we can we'll probably waste hours talking about later in the summer and on a different yeah. pokes cast if we want to get into it. Yeah. But these kids don't belong to you. They are, they are almost by definition indentured servants to the NCAA and its institutional school members. But right now and the Missouri players proved this a couple of years ago with the whole, um, the protests and the boycott of like almost withdrawing in from playing a game. That's when real change happened. These kids can make real change happen because the the NCAA and these member schools don't make money, and these head coaches don't make money if the players don't play the game. So the players have this little bit of power, especially before they sign anywhere, even if they're just committed or if they're shopping around. They have the power. You have these 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60-year-old men texting teenagers at all hours of the day and night, calling them, trying to, like, court them, you know, trying just trying to be with them, trying to gauge their interest, trying to get them to commit to them. And then once that happens, they're trying to say, well, you committed to me. You, We're in this together, remember? Like, we're uh, – don't be in – you know – what's this infidelity that you're doing? You've got to, you pledged allegiance to me. And it's like, well, where's your allegiance to the kid once they sign? If a kid gets hurt, loses his scholarship and isn't able to play again, where's your allegiance to him to help him get his degree that you guaranteed him? Where's, where's the allegiance to this school? When, if you're at PJ Fleck, where was your allegiance to Western Michigan when Minnesota came calling and offered you and yeah, when Minnesota came calling and offered you more money, I, it is. It's just blatant hypocrisy. It's not something that we should really be shocked by because it just seems to happen on an, almost an hourly basis with these people. But that's what happens. And in the big money game of college football, man, yeah. it's just become all too common. And again, like it's it's not just PJ Fleck. It's like kind of it's like what I mentioned to you before we started recording again when it was Dabo Sweeney saying, you know, when you start paying kids, that's when you lose me. And yet Dabo Sweeney is one of the highest paid head coaches in college football the guys making seven million dollars a year well how how much of that seven million could be evenly distributed on this national championship winning team so these kids can yeah pay for meals so these kids can live and also on top of that the ncaa doesn't have a problem with the white house feeding them free food but if somebody from in town if somebody from just some south carolina home you know some campground south carolina homeboy wants to give one of these kids a little brisket that he has from his home ranch that's an ncaa violation it's you want to talk about hypocrisy we could go on for hours but yeah no um i'm gonna go out on a branch and say to hell with all these people yeah 
Yeah, we can go on a lot of different tangents. We'll try to keep it narrow, but um, I wanted to bring up the, just this one example recently uh, of, of a you know <laughs> this thing going the opposite way where a coach left. So Neil Brown, uh, who was Troy's head coach, was kind of similar to the kind of this year's version of uh, or this past season's version of PJ Fleck, one of the hottest names. Uh, outside the Power Five, recruits his class at Troy. Uh, you know, s- signs them it, during the early signing period. I, I don't know how many kids they sign. I, I didn't go back and look, but uh, you know, the early signing period is around December nineteenth, twentieth, somewhere around there. Three weeks after he signs players in this class during the early signing period, he bolts for West Virginia. He left for West Virginia on January 4th. That's roughly two, two, three weeks after the early signing period. So now you've told kids, you've been recruiting these kids for who knows how long. You know, tell them to come be a part of our program. You're, I'm going to be your coach, blah, blah, blah. You know, be committed to us, sign with us. They sign with you thinking that you're going to be their coach. And three weeks later, poof, you're gone. But but a lot of these and I, like I don't want to make because I, I hate when people make certain groups exclusive. So I'm not going to sit here and say all coaches have this mentality because I, you know not every coach has come out and, and said this, and I'm sure not every coach has this opinion. I'm sure there are coaches a lot smarter than PJ Fleck who are keeping their mouth shut about this because they realize how ridiculous it is. But uh, you know you, you've got some of these coaches that, that are bolting. And yet, at the same time, saying, eh, you know, th- these kids, though, these 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, we expect them once they commit to us to be, to, to be committed and, and not, not waffle on that decision and, and be committed to us and our program. Like, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to put into words just the, the, the hypocrisy of it all and just how utterly absurd it is. Yeah, and... But... It, it, yeah, again, we, should, we shouldn't be shocked by this, but yet every single time somebody steps out of line and says something completely asinine and idiotic like this, we're left, I don't know, man, we just can't help ourselves. We, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm switching gears to, to Mike Bray, Notre Dame basketball coach, uh, recently was talking um, during a meeting with the Knight Commission, which I'm not exactly sure like what all the Knight Commission does in terms of uh, college sports, but I know that they're a nonprofit uh, group that kind of uh, that pushes for reform in college athletics. And uh, Mike Bray was talking I guess, earlier this week because this is a story from the from the Associated Press. Um, where he was voicing some concern, I guess, that he had with, with the transfer portal. And everybody knows, particularly in college basketball, man, transfers are a dime a dozen. I mean, there's there's tons of them. Um, but uh, he said, quote, as coaches, we're concerned about the number of waivers to the point where the NCAA has given too much of a blueprint on how to get a waiver. Kids feel they can go and bring up enough of a case to be eligible right away so they're more apt to want to go. End quote. And my response to that is like problem. Like what? 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 So what? Like what? What's? What's the issue? Particularly when again, you know, th- there's no penalty for. Yeah, you know, he was referring to waivers because it, you know kids that are not graduate transfers have to apply for a waiver uh, to be immediately eligible. Uh, in order to not sit out one full year when they transfer. And his, his uh, gripe was that there are too many kids that are being granted these waivers and don't have to sit out a full year before being eligible at their next school to which I just like, so what? Like, and again, this is a coach who could leave tomorrow for another job and there's no penalty for him. You know, coaches don't have to sit out a year if they go take another job. And and for for most of these kids, again, it's a gra- they're graduate transfers. So, you know that they're going and they've already graduated from from their previous school. 
maybe they are trying to get more. When you're talking about basketball, maybe they want more minutes. You know, maybe they've been, um, you know, kind of biding their time. You know, from when they originally signed, and uh, maybe they thought they were going to get some more playing time than they did, but it didn't work out that way. They bided their time. You know, have been in the program for two or three years. They've gotten their degree. Now they they've got one year or, or maybe two years of eligibility left. Now they want maybe go somewhere where, uh, you know, they have a chance to get on the floor sooner and and, and you know, play more minutes if not start uh, before their window of eligibility runs out. So I mean, yeah, are, are there cases where some kids might just leave and, and try to you know apply for a waiver just you know and, and to try to get on the floor sooner and try to play immediately with no real reason. I mean, every once in a while, but most of these are graduate transfers or they, they're trying to transfer, but to be closer to home, uh, you know, if they've, if they've got uh, a relative or somebody that, that, that that's sick and, and needs help in terms of being taken care of, you know, it's, I mean, I just, I, I don't under I don't understand why coaches have such a problem with this. Like, you know, I, I'm like coaches again, they're not going to have to sit out a year. Uh, you know, if they took a job, another job tomorrow, yet they, they have a problem with, with, with kids uh, wanting to transfer and be immediately, be immediately eligible. Uh, you know, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, the the simple answer, and legitimately, there's only a small answer that I can say, which is 100% correct. You can test me on it if you don't think so, but I'm not wrong. It's the one thing that these guys don't control. They Most college football coaches are control freaks. They've got regimented schedules for all of the kids to follow. The kids have, you know, their their class schedule. They've got workouts before class workouts after practice after class workouts after that and then they've got study they've got everything built down to a fine schedule they've got meetings with position coaches and all of this they've got travel plans all mapped out they've got their recruiting plans all mapped out what these kids do and these tangible possible transfers transfer portals their decisions these these teenagers' decisions are the one thing that college football head coaches cannot control, and that's why it drives them insane. They want to limit it because they want all of the control. And if you don't believe me, just read any sort of interview with major college football head coaches. You read an interview yeah. with Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, probably P.J. Fleck. You read it now with... Um, uh no I guess Harbaugh's not in it anymore. well you you read it with especially Lane Kiffin you go anywhere else basically legitimately any especially Power Five school you go to their head coach and they'll you will get the implication that these people love to be in control they've they and they can only exist when being in control so. What are they going to do? They're going to throw a hissy fit, try to throw their clout and their status and their reputation at trying to end something that they simply can't control. It, it's this is what you end up looking like. You look like a clown. That's all I got. Yeah, I yeah yeah. I just don't. And again, I don't like if coaches want to go off and take another job and take the next step in their career. They're fine. They're, they can do that. They don't come back and try to control kids that want to uh, make decisions about their future as well. Uh, you know, again, if they're trying to, you know, go to a place where they feel like they they have a better opportunity to play. Uh, on the, you know, just um, you know, when you look at, at teams' rosters and the depth and depth charts, and I, I mean, the, the, the I, I just like they can't be that dumb. To, I mean, <laughs> do they not think about this stuff? The, the hypocrisy about, of this. And the stupidity of it when when they're talk, when they're saying it like it's just it, it just it, it bothers me man it bothers me so much um, that it, again it, like yeah you've got these coaches who are making these millions of dollars and can do whatever they want make whatever decision they want and you, you want to come back and try to control decisions of again the, these kids that are making that money for them back to your point when you mentioned Dabo. Uh, 
and how you know we pay these players. I, I, you lose me when you do that. Yeah, he's making what I, with his new deal. I think I think he's actually making more than seven million. I mean, I think he's closer to nine million. Yeah, with all and the incentives making, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Mike Mike Bray, I don't know exactly what his salary is, but it's in the millions as the head co- head basketball coach at Notre Dame. You know, they're getting these raises, they're getting these salaries. That money doesn't just fall out of the sky. You know, like this money has to come from somewhere. And where does it come from? A majority of the time, ticket sales, donations, where your ticket sales aren't up and you're not getting massive amounts of donations if you're not winning games. And who who goes out there and executes to win those games? Players. You know, I don't know the last time that I saw a coach uh, make a pass. You know, score, catch a touchdown, make a tackle. Yeah, I mean, you, you tell me the last time you've seen a coach right on the field and do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you from all of the stuff I get on Twitter, I can tell you that people have been um, going gaga every time Scott Frost steps in and runs a play at quarterback for in spring ball for Nebraska. So there's, uh, there's that for you. But, yeah, I'm sure that, um, again – the game doesn't exist without the players. That's the only way that it could possibly exist. That's the only way that the coaches make the money, that the schools make the money, that the NCAA makes the money. And the money doesn't exist without the players. Exactly. I mean, that's so. they and they are the literal definition of indentured servants. And again, we can get into that at a different time, but that is the actual definition is what these kids are. They get room and board, some training, but they're they're putting out this for free, and schools yeah. are making billions of dollars off it. So I yeah. don't know. I don't know. And it, yeah, and look, I mean, look, coaches are hired to to recruit these players, yep. develop them, win games, and in turn, you can you know advance your career, take that next step, take another job if you want to again, and and that's fine if a coach wants to do that. But don't be hypocritical about it. Don't come back and try to control these kids that have helped you get to where you are and have helped you get the money that, that you have and has helped the school get the money that it has. Like, don't, don't, don't do that. So, like, if you're a coach out there, just, just don't be a hypocrite about it. It's pretty easy. Pretty simple. But. Yeah. 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 Know your role. Like Dwayne The Rock Johnson once said, know your role, shut your mouth. <laughs> don't say something stupid. Uh. All right, Brady. Well, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. I think we've 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 gone on as much as tangible as we want. Yeah, we can we can probably hash this thing out into about three or four different podcasts over the summer. And go a lot of different directions with it. But uh, yeah, those comments just came out this week, and it it just it triggered me, man. It I just I hate it. I hate the hypocrisy of it all. But um, speaking of podcasts going forward this summer. Um, I'm not promising that we're going to have one on a weekly basis over the next couple months. I mean, we, you know, we, we'll just be on vacation and then so many different, different schedules, uh, here and there. So, um, yeah, I, I know I'm, I'm taking off, uh, going on vacation the first week of June. Um, so probably won't have a podcast then and we'll just kind of, we'll kind of play it by ear. Um, but you know, kind of. Summer is obviously slower, and so if you guys, um, you know, have any questions, you know, pertaining to, you know, Wyoming football upcoming season or, or, or basketball, you know, you feel free to to tweet them at me, Davis at Davis E Potter or Brady at Brady Oltman's, and uh, we'll kind of just we'll answer them on the podcast. You know, I don't know you have like any certain format, you know, when we do them this summer, uh, we'll just kind of maybe do some fire away podcast or just kind of jump around kind of like we did today. But, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, we probably won't have one every week. Uh, we'll try to do, we'll get, we'll get one out next week, uh, before, um, I head out on vacation and, um, uh, we start taking some days off, some time off. But, um, as always guys, you can follow all our coverage at trib.com, pokesauthority.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, at Post Authority and at Wild Varsity. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter and Brady as well at Brady Oltman's. His podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. So make sure to follow along. 
Um, like it, share it, give us that five-star rating. Uh, Brady, anything else before we get out of here? Man, I got, I got nothing. And absolutely nothing more to say to these clowns. These clowns <laughs> of college football head coaches. Uh, all right, well, we'll get out of here on that. Uh, Wyoming, it's 18-19 uh, athletic season will officially end. Uh, first week of June with track. That's the last sport they've got. Uh, men's and women's track teams are competing in the NCAA West preliminary actually this week. Um, so we might have some stuff on that. Uh, trib.com and postauthority.com so look out for that and if you, yeah if you missed any of our stories and some of the, the new football and basketball uh, hires um, to the staff you can check our website for that as well uh, Brady appreciate you joining me and I appreciate you guys listening as always and we will catch up with you again